0: statistics are starting to roll in as they're conducting surveys across the country. Fewer and fewer people are self-identifying as Christian. More and more people are self-identifying as atheist or agnostic or as none when it comes to religious preference. And if we take these statistics, if we take this data and we extrapolate it out, say, 50 years from now, If it becomes true then that those statistics maintain the way that they're going, it's possible that we who are Christians might find ourselves as exiles in a foreign and hostile land. Exiles. That is how God's people felt here in the second half of the book of Isaiah. As you know, we've been going through Isaiah this summer. We begin this morning with chapter 40. That's the second half. God's people are no longer even in Israel, the promised land. They have been taken from their villages, their homes, taken across the wilderness, up mountains and down valleys, and taken into captivity in Babylon. It's what we call the Babylonian exile or the Babylonian captivity. There they were, exiles in a foreign and hostile land. This is why God begins through Isaiah, the second half of the book, by saying, comfort, comfort my people. I know the situation that you are in. You've been ripped out of your place of comfort, the place of promise. And you've been placed in the hands of a hostile culture in Babylon. Comfort. But then the rest of the chapter has a movement to it. It calls them into action. It says, prepare the way of the Lord. And then another few verses on, it says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And then in verses 10 and 11, you shall behold your God. Prepare the way of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And then it says, behold your God. You know, I've been reading this chapter for so many years. Prepare the way, prepare the way. I always pictured it as some kind of hoped for, yes, maybe, possibly sometime in the future. If we prepare the way of the Lord, then he might come. But right here, by the end, by, even by verses 10 and 11, we have a picture of the coming Savior that they're preparing the way for. So I want to begin with that. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 here at the beginning. I want to start with the end because it paints us a picture for how God will appear when people prepare the way for him as they are exiles in a foreign land, and his glory shall be revealed. Let's read verses 10 and 11 together to see what God looks like in the mind of Isaiah When he arrives, when his people have prepared the way for him. It says this in verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. In this picture of the coming God that the people have prepared the way for, it points to two things, maybe you saw it, two aspects about God's arms. On the one hand, it says his arms are mighty. It's like he's coming back victorious from battle. It says his reward is with him, as if he has the gold medal around his neck. His mighty arm is coming. But then it says with those same mighty arms, he tenderly scoops up his little lambs. Two depictions of God's arms. One, that they are victorious in battle. And two, that they tenderly scoop up his little lambs. And then he leads those lambs back home. So that's the end. I want us to have that picture. We're going to come back to it. Have that picture in your mind of the coming God that God calls his people living in exile to prepare the way for. So our next question should be, well, how would we prepare the way of the Lord? We want to see God come with his mighty and tender arms. How might we prepare the way of the Lord? Well, that's exactly what Isaiah asks, I think. When he says, a voice says cry, and I said, what shall I cry? I think Isaiah is saying, okay, I want to prepare the way of the Lord. What do I do? What do I say? And in the verses that follow after that, God gives three encouragements to his people. Three ways that they can prepare the way of the Lord so that his glory will be revealed and all will behold him with his strong and tender arms. Three encouragements. Number one, get some perspective. Number two, remember your true identity. And number three, find your voice. Three encouragements for God's people living in exile in a foreign and hostile land. Get some perspective. Remember your true identity and find your voice. Let's go to the text to see how it all plays out. Get some perspective. Beginning halfway through verse 6, God says to his people living in exile, and he says to us, if we ever find ourselves living as exiles in a foreign land, Halfway through verse 6, he says, All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Can you imagine how disillusioning it must have felt? For the Israelites to be taken captive in Babylon. They had been living in God's promised holy land. Their ancestors were given that land after being rescued from slavery in Egypt. They were trying their best to keep covenant with God in that promised land when suddenly they were taken from their homes and placed in this foreign and hostile land. They must have questioned if God even existed anymore. Why were they taken into captivity in Babylon? It must have been very troubling for them. And so God tries to give them some perspective, saying, look around you. You see the Babylonians? You see how strong and powerful and mighty they appear to you right now? Let me remind you, all flesh, even the Babylonians, are like grass, or like a flower. They'll fade. They look strong now, but even the mightiest of human empires will one day fade. You know what will never fade? God's word. That will never fade away. Get some perspective. I love having a cup of coffee on our garden patio in the morning. Nancy's planted some beautiful hydrangeas out there. And in the cool of the morning, those hydrangeas, they stand, they stand straight up, and they're beautiful. The green leafy parts are standing up, and the colorful flowers are just in full radiance. But by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a really hot day, those hydrangeas look pathetic. (laughs) I want to run and get the hose because they just look so thirsty. That's what God wants us to see a picture of when we think of any human empire. Yes, even the United States. It looks mighty. It looks strong in the cool of the morning. But one day, it will fade under the heat of the sun, even the United States, get some perspective. Know that the mightiest of human empires will one day fade, but the word of God will last forever. Did we think the United States was going to be eternal? It won't be, but God's word will. Now maybe you're sitting there thinking, now wait a minute, can't God use human empires? Can't God use Things like the United States for his good purposes? And the answer is yes, of course he can. More missionaries have been sent from the United States. More aid has been given from the United States. But the reality is God chooses to use human empires by his grace, but he doesn't actually need them. He doesn't actually need us. His kingdom is eternal and his kingdom is more powerful than any human empire, which is like grass, which is like a flower, which will eventually fade. But his kingdom is eternal. Get some perspective. That's number one. If we ever find ourselves as Christians living in a foreign and hostile land as exiles, number one, get some perspective. Number two, remember your true identity. Three times throughout Isaiah 40, God addresses his people. You know what he calls them? Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Zion. Now, this is pretty interesting because remember where they are now. They're not in Jerusalem anymore. They're in Babylon. They're in a foreign land where they don't recognize the landscape around them. They don't know which street leads to where like they knew in Jerusalem. They're totally out of their home territory and God, when he addresses them, calls them Jerusalem, reminding them of their true identity. Later this week, Nancy and I are going to put the children in the car, and we're going to drive for 13 hours to Michigan. Why would we do that? <laughs> because there's a screened-in porch on a cottage next to a little lake called Horseshoe Lake where I need to go sit for one week a year. Whew, just looked at Nancy's face, gonna cry if I look at her again. <laughs> I, I need to go sit on that patio, on that porch, because I'm surrounded by my older brother, Paul, my sister, Kristen, my sister, Stacy, and all the children. And when I'm sitting on that patio there, I am more myself than anywhere else in the world. That, these people are my people. This place is my home, looking out over that lake. And I love it whenever anybody calls me, hey, Michigan boy. I take that as a compliment because that reminds me of my true identity. That's what God is doing for his people. There they are in Babylon where they've been taken captive. And he speaks to them and he says, oh, Jerusalem, remember where home is. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a screened-in porch in Michigan. I don't even know what true home is for me. Maybe you don't even have a hometown. But the Bible gives you reminders of your true identity by giving you reminders of your true home. The Bible says that you are a daughter of the King of Heaven. And he is there now preparing a place for you that where he is, you may be also. The Bible says you're a son of the father of the universe, and he will bring you to be with him one day forever. You have a true home, and therefore you have a true identity that is unchanging, because if you are a person of God, if you are a Christian in a culture that has become foreign and hostile to you, if you're living as an exile, that culture will be all too ready to give you their own label. They will give you a label if you are a Christian in a foreign and hostile land. So you have to remember your true identity by remembering your true home. So get some perspective. Remember your true identity. And thirdly, find your voice. Find your voice. Let's read verse 9 together. This is such an awesome verse. This is God speaking to his people, living as exiles in a foreign and hostile land. He says, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. And he says to us, Go on up to a high mountain, O Stanwich. Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O church. Herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Connecticut and the Northeast United States, Behold your God. Isn't this an amazing encouragement? Go on up to a high mountain, find a platform. Find a place where your voice can be heard. Remember your true identity. You are a herald of good news. Did you know that? You are a herald of good news. It says, lift it up, fear not. Don't be afraid. You can proclaim the gospel in your own spheres of influence. In 1 Peter, he quotes this verse, and he begins 1 Peter by saying, To the exiles, and then he quotes this verse and he says, do you know what the good news is in here that Isaiah was aiming towards? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the Evangelion. That's the Greek word that Peter uses. Evangelion, we translate that Evangeline. You know, you know this already. I named my daughter Evangeline Joy Heart. Why did I do that? I wanted to be able to tell people about the good news. Anybody, anytime somebody says, oh, your daughter has a beautiful name. I say, thanks, do you want to know what it means? It's just an excuse for me to share the gospel, to get a platform, to go on up to a high mountain, to herald the good news, not to be afraid, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? It's that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, that if you believe in him, you will not die but have everlasting life. It's that you are a sinner, but you've been saved by grace. You are a blood-bought child of God. That's the good news. That's, our, that's what we're supposed to herald in the world. Can you imagine someone, uh, a newspaper boy, tossing a newspaper up onto your front stoop? And you go out there to get it, and you pull the rubber band off, and you open it up, and you spread it out on your kitchen table, but you notice that all the pages, page after page, are blank. There's no words on them. They're just blank white pages. Some of us are Christians in the same way. We're not proclaiming the good news, we're not telling anybody the story that God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Lift up your voice, O church, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the city, say to your spheres of influence, behold your God. Many of you know David Bennett. He's this really lovable guy in our congregation. I was hoping he could be here today. I don't see him. I was texting with him yesterday. Dave does this in his workplace. Dave has a couple of big computer monitors on his desk, as many of you do. And what he lodged between the two computer monitors is a cross. And he places on his desk the latest Christian book that he's reading. And he's kind of become known in the workplace as the person you can go to for ministry. If someone's in crisis, if someone's needing help or a prayer, they go see Dave. He is a herald of good news. He's found his mountain. He's found his voice. His gospel voice. Now I know that that wouldn't work for all of you. One of the reasons it works for Dave is cuz he's so lovable. If if you're a jerk in the workplace, please don't put a cross. <laughs> Eric, you laughed the loudest. It doesn't work for everybody, but you can find your voice in your sphere of influence. You can find your cross to hang up in your life. Don't be afraid. Our culture is saying it's the one thing we're not allowed to do is be a herald of good news. Don't be afraid. If God could call the Israelites in Babylon to herald good news, he can call us in the United States to be heralds of good news. When we prepare the way of the Lord, his glory shall be revealed. We shall behold our God. How do we prepare the way? We get some perspective. We remember our true identity and we find our voice. When we do that, look at the picture of God that our people will see. Look, there he comes. Behold, the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. His recompense before him, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Point people to the God with strong and victorious arms who also tenderly care for his people. Point people to the cross where God stretched out his arms, where with those stretched out arms he was victorious in battle. Conquering the enemy of our souls. But he was also lovingly, tenderly loving the whole world. Like a shepherd scooping up his sheep. Offering them forgiveness and a way home. Point people to Jesus. Get some perspective. Remember your true identity. Find your gospel voice. And in doing that, you will be preparing the way of the Lord. His glory shall be revealed in our time and in our nation. And people will behold their God with strong and tender arms. Amen. Let's stand for our communion hymn.